Please join me in the prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Listen to God's word for us. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading is the last of the Christmas story, a story we all know by heart. I hope and pray we can hear it afresh and anew today with the Spirit's help. This is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of the Lord. 
One of the great ironies, one of the great twists of the Christmas story is that it's outsiders who seek and find and worship the Messiah of Israel, while spiritual insiders, the leadership of the people, seek to eliminate the long-sought-after future king. This is a strange twist in the story, and it's not the only time this irony makes an appearance. This theme of insiders resisting Jesus while outsiders embrace him continues throughout Matthew's gospel. Time and time again, outsiders seek and find Jesus while insiders struggle, really struggle to accept him and his teachings. Sinners fall at his feet and worship him while the righteous, the religious, often argue with him. The poor, they can't get enough of Jesus, while the rich often leave an interaction with him grieving. And the sick and the blind and lame, they put all their trust in Jesus, while the strong and the healthy kind of hedge their bets, waiting to see how the story will end. In Luke's gospel, this irony has a name. It's the great reversal, where the first will be last and the last will be first. This account, really, of wise men from the east coming to Jerusalem and asking, where is this child who's been born king of the Jews? This story is a foreshadowing of a trend, a trend that is especially troubling to insiders like you and me. I can't speak for you. I can only speak to my experience. But when I try to place myself inside the gospel story, I certainly see myself more as an insider than I do an outsider. I am, after all, a pastor, a protector and benefactor of tradition and orthodoxy. I'm I'm wearing a stole and a robe. And those are the very people in the gospel story who really struggle to receive and accept the gift God offers in Jesus. Truth be told, I think most of us here have a lot more in common with the insiders of the story than we do with the outsiders. We have more in common with the insiders who have everything to lose, a lot to lose from this relationship with Jesus than we do the outsiders who have so much to gain from his presence in their lives. We may admire, really admire the Magi for their willingness to follow a star, but I think few of us here would embark on what was likely a years-long journey away from all we know to worship a king who has yet to be given his crown. I mean, what, what compels somebody to leave their country and their family and their tradition to follow some new star that pops up in the sky What gets somebody to leave everything for something wondrous, to be sure, but yet unknown? What kind of person does something like that? Well, certainly not someone who is content or comfortable, who thinks they have all the truth that they'll ever need. People who are willing to journey that far under those conditions to worship someone they never met, are people who are looking for something, for anything, to change 
their situation. Those kinds of people are the kind of people that are always looking for more. The new Pixar movie, Soul, which I highly recommend. This movie, Soul, rotates around two characters of sorts. The first is Joe, a middle school band teacher whose life doesn't go quite the way he thought it would. And the other main character, the name of this character is 22, an indifferent soul who refuses to accept the gift of life on earth. With all her perceived clarity about the challenges and struggles of being human, 22 just can't see the benefits of heading down to earth to inhabit a body. From her perspective as a soul untethered by human limitations, the whole concept of being human seems an unnecessary inconvenience. She is fine right where she is. 22 has a change of heart eventually, but only after she spends a few days by chance in Joe's body back down on earth. Standing in the shoes of another person, 22 discovers some surprising joys about being human. The taste of a warm slice of pizza, the wonder of a pinwheel falling from a tree, the gift of jazz, the joy of dancing. And before you know it, all 22 wants more than anything is a chance at living the very life that for years she considered a complete waste of her time. It wasn't until she got outside of her situation, of her comfort zone, of her familiar world, and spent some time in someone else's shoes, it wasn't until then that 22 was able to see and receive this amazing gift that she had been freely given. If you feel stuck in your faith, if it feels a little stale perhaps, maybe you feel disconnected right now from God, please know you're not alone. That is a risk of being an insider. Over time, we can forget how precious a gift we've been given in Jesus. I'm convinced this is one of the reasons Jesus commands us to love our enemies and to do good to those who seek us, seek our harm. It's, it's not only for them. This discipline is also for us. Because in loving the unlovable or seeking to understand the incomprehensible or trying to relate to the unrelatable, we step outside ourselves of just for a moment and realize and remember, perhaps, just how amazing and unexpected God's gift of love truly is. When we step outside, we rediscover the joy of faith. So how do we do it? How do we receive the gift of Jesus in a way that wakes us up from our slumber and fills us with joy, the kind of joy that wise men had? How do we let the story of God in the flesh inspire us and awaken us to all that is possible, both in our lives, but also in our church and world? How do we get this story that we've heard hundreds of times? How do we get it to compel us to begin or restart the most amazing journey of our lives? Well, I think the story of wise men journeying from the east at the invitation of God 
that is really a story that is the gospel in miniature, I think this story gives us a really good clue on what we're to do. To truly receive the gift that has been given and let it transform our life together, we need to get outside. We need to get outside of our worldview, outside of our comfort zone, outside of our community. You want to remember the power of the gift you've been given? You want to hear the same, have the same courage and joy exhibited by the wise men? Read a book from someone who doesn't look or think or act like you. Spend time with people who make you uncomfortable. Expose yourself to different points of view. Stay curious, stay open, stand in mystery. Live as if there is always more to be discovered, more to learn. I think the message of the gospel is pretty clear. God comes to us. We don't find God. God finds us. Which means everything we know and believe and feel and understand about God is a gift freely given. It wasn't earned or given as some reward. It is a gift. And right now, God is pursuing you and me and every other person in this world to lead each of us and all of us to some new discovery, some new insight, some new understanding of ourselves, of the world, and of our God. God initiates, and we respond, and joy and understanding follows. But once we think we're in the inside, once we think we have the truth, once we value our comfort over our growth, the very inbreaking of God that is meant to inspire us to joyful worship can have the exact opposite effect. Instead of God's presence being a welcome surprise, it is seen often as an unwelcome disruption because to receive God in our lives, to receive the newborn king, to journey to his feet, to make the long trek, is to open ourselves up to transformation. And once you think you've arrived, why on earth would you do that? It's tricky, but the more time we spend inside, stuck in our temples, locked in our worldview, concerned with our own comforts and communities, the less capable we are of receiving the gift of God's Son, whose first visitors were idolatrous outsiders from a foreign land, astronomers, who arrived at the feet of Jesus at God's invitation. This year, I think it's going to be a challenging one, different than 2020, but still challenging. It's going to be full of unexpected surprises and difficult conversations and opportunities for growth. And as you begin this year, I really implore you to get outside, not just to be in nature, which is healthy and good for you, but Get outside. Be a person who searches high and low for meaning and purpose. Be someone who is open to new possibilities. Be a disciple who is willing to take risks, who looks to expand your community and your world. Be a wise one who is willing to respond to God's invitation, even when it means leaving everything you know. Preacher Fred Craddock tells the story about an unexpected dinner guest who ended up spending the night once at his home. 
As Craddock read the paper, the visitor played with his kids and taught them a new game. Watching him, Craddock couldn't help but wonder how long it had been since he had come home from work, got down on the floor, and played a game with his kids. He was judged a bit by the man's actions. Following dinner, the visitor said to Craddock's wife, Thank you so much for that meal. That was just a wonderful meal. Craddock tried to remember the last time he had said that to his wife. After dinner, the visitor went out for a walk and came back later with a spring in his step. Wow, he responded, you have the nicest neighbors next door. I met Mr. Young and his wife from Seoul. What a nice young couple. Craddock had heard that some Koreans had moved down, down the street, but he didn't know them. When the visitor said their first names, he again was judged by the man's words. Craddock reflected that he had a familiar pattern in his life. Come home, read the paper, eat supper. Then here comes this stranger, and suddenly everything looks different. And Craddock thought to himself, where in the world, where in the world have I been? Amen.